Hello and welcome to episode 580 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by Evan Silva. And today is a truly glorious day in an era of technology threatening the very fabrics of society. Never before have we needed the gumption of man more. And so in the spirit of Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs, in the spirit of Gary Kasparov versus Deep Blue, in the spirit of grown men versus personal long care, today we welcome Mike Leone to the show for the annual man versus machine. Leone, how's it going today? How are you feeling? I'm, I'm ready. I got my shirt on, my capitulate shirt on to surrender to the spreadsheet socialist due to irrefutable facts. Uh, there's going to be a lot of capitulation today. So I'm I'm in I'm in a good mood. <laughs> uh, that shirt is so good. You guys, you guys got to see it on YouTube. Steven can drop a link into the uh, description if anybody wants a capitulate shirt. Evan, how's it going today? How are you feeling? It's going well. I'm feeling <clears throat> well. It's July 5th. So, I mean, these fireworks, I don't know how you feel about these fireworks, but I mean, they started shooting them off in my neighborhood at like 3 p.m. yesterday, and they went on until 1 a.m. I was still somehow able to get a decent night's sleep, but I don't know. What, what are you guys feeling on fireworks? Because I, <clears throat> the, the louder they are, the, the dumber I feel like I get. <laughs> uh, I don't like going to fireworks shows, but I, I did have fun with the neighbors shooting a bunch of stuff off. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm a true patriot, unlike I'm you, apparently. I'm the opposite. You know, I'm one of these Neanderthals setting off their own fireworks, going to blow their hands off. I'll go see the show. <laughs> Don't do JPP like that. All right. On today's show, I will be presiding as your honorable judge as these two debate their fantasy football rankings. There were actually a ton of discrepancies between Silva's personal top 150 and the projection-based rankings we have on the site. We picked out about 28 of them to debate here over the next few shows. I do want to note one thing here, uh, Leone. I think people think projections are just some bot, you know, some algorithm that automatically spits out the answer to the test. There's actually a ton of human inputs, a ton of human work. We have an entire projections team for a reason. All of us pitch in on it for a reason. So, Leone, maybe you can tell the people how much of the projections slash rankings are actually machine-based and how much... Uh, is us. Yeah, I think they're a lot more subjective than people realize, which makes these arguments with Silva, you know, fun to dive into. And like one, like Ramondre Stevenson, which we'll get into, like the projections team's worried about his volume. Like that's a completely subjective feel type input. And what we're trying to do from the math standpoint is we know we can dial into teams projected play calling a bit based on certain factors. And we get this really good base on their play calling. We also get a pretty good base on individual players, efficiency levels and their talent levels. And then we can kind of combine that with the more subjective volume inputs and things like that to give us pretty good rankings overall. So I think the math helps give us a base that we're somewhat anchored to, but ultimately there still is a lot of wiggle room up and down on all these individual players based on subjective feel. Exactly. It is not a, a full-blown Terminator machine situation going on here. I didn't want anyone to think that. Okay, last thing before we get into it today, our 2023 Fantasy Football Bundle Package is now live. The early bird price is up for a limited time, combines our DraftKit Pro with our in-season package. That in-season package runs through the Super Bowl, covers everything we do other than the weekly player props. Really is too cheap. 
I'm tilted, but head to the subscribe page on ETR to check it out. All right, for this part one of Man vs. Machine, we are going to go through players that the machine, Leone, projections team is on higher than the man, Silva. We're going to do about nine of them here in part one. I want to start at the very top of the board. We normally don't have this big of discrepancies at the top of the board. Travis Kelsey ranked sixth by the machine. Travis Kelsey 16th by Silva. Now, Silva is the outlier here. I think the consensus rankings are more in line with Kelsey in the middle of the first round. So I will give Evan the floor first to defend and argue his Travis Kelsey 16 overall. And we talked about this a little bit on the Top 150 Changes show recently, where I had Kelsey at 11 in my first, like the rough draft Top 150, and I moved him down to 16 after I got some drafts under my belt. And in the interest of transparency and in the interest of honesty, like I'm just, I want to take the 15 guys that I have ranked ahead of Travis Kelsey when I'm on the board. He's going on age 34. He is, um, you know, he plays a onesie position. He's obviously a stud. I mean, my, my highest known stack by far last year was Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Got that almost on a consistent basis, especially in FFPC drafts. But this year, I'm taking a more cautious approach to Travis Kelsey, who, again, I feel like having him as an early to mid-second rounder as a 34-year-old tight end in a onesie position, to me, I, I think that that's somewhat aggressive. Um, I, we're, I mean, Leone is going to have to explain himself on how he's factoring in the age curve and the age model into Travis Kelsey's projection because – you know, I, I don't feel like I, I, I feel like I explained myself pretty well there. Okay. Leone, retort. I'll give Silva some credit on the age thing where there's a couple players this year where last going into last year, Keenan Allen's another one of them where we're like, oh, we're worried about these guys because of age. And then they had a good season. And now, even though they're a year older now, we're like not worried about the age at all just because they had a good year the year before. So I do think the age concerns probably a little bit higher than the whole market sees. So I'll capitulate off the bat, you know, in the spirit uh, on the age thing. But I think ultimately, though, the reward here is so massively high. I mean, we saw last year what Kelsey did at the tight end position compared to all the other tight ends. I mean, he completely destroyed it. Uh, we had a visual that hopefully I can find and then tweet out that he, Michael Heary did for us. But he just scored so many more points than any other tight end. And he was scoring points commensurate with first round receivers as well. And you look at it. The way the Chiefs shape up this year, they have the highest average team total across the weeks one through 17 by almost two points per game, which is massive. They're going to get there through Mahomes. This is a team with top three in pass rate over expectation every single year, one of the highest pass rate teams out there. And the target competition just really doesn't exist much for Travis Kelsey. So, you know, the onesie position thing, I think, is a positive for Kelsey, where you actually have a little bit of leeway where if he does, you know, fall back a little bit and he doesn't score in line with these round one wide receivers, he can still provide such a big positional edge that you actually have a little bit of wiggle room there. And if he does score in line with the round one wide receivers, he's absolutely, absolutely going to pay off the tag. Yeah. So I, I think from a projection standpoint, like Leone said, the Chiefs wide receiver situation is so shaky. It's like almost impossible not to give Kelsey an insane amount of targets. And that leads to a really big, 
projection for him. One thing that I would say about the Kelsey stuff, I don't even know if it's Kelsey in a vacuum. To me, it's the rest of the position because if you think that uh, David Njoku and Fryermuth and Waller and Goddard and Pitts and Kittle and Hawkinson are all good picks or all uh, somewhat likely to hit, then maybe Kelsey is not worth number six overall. You know, it's like relative to the rest of the position at the onesie. That, that said, I have to go with the argument's sake here. And I think Leone put together the better argument for Travis Kelsey here. More multifaceted argument, I would say, out of Leone. Chalk one up there. Let's move to Christian Watson. Machine has Christian Watson 49th overall. Silva is pretty far behind here, 68th overall. Leone, I will let you go first this time. Christian Watson up at 49. Yeah, Watson last year, you know, up and down season in terms of health, you know, couldn't really get on the field, stay on the field. That might be one of the bigger knocks on him if you think that's something that's sticky. If you don't think it's sticky in his routes, you know, only ran 270, but he was 13th among all wide receivers in yards per route run, which is an amazing number for a rookie, even in a somewhat small sample. And now year two, he's the you know de facto number one wide receiver on a team that just has no depth and no experience at the wide receiver position. So I think you're going to see the efficiency come back a little bit. It almost has to, which generally happens when the volume gets higher, but I think the volumes can get high enough that it offsets. And it's a nice floor ceiling combination when you take last year's efficiency and then throw a bunch of volume on him. Uh, I think the biggest argument against him would be the Packers passing game in general. If you just think it's not going to be good, that maybe even if he gets a 25% target share, the efficiency drops off so much that he's not worth a pick here. Evan? Your response? Yeah, um, I would say that, uh, and and this may be the case uh, for both of the first guys that we talked about, is that in my drafts, like I'm just not getting Christian Watson. I'm not, I'm not getting Travis Kelsey either. I'm not getting Christian Watson because he goes probably around or or, or around and a half before I'd even consider him. Um, and so that may factor, especially in the early top 150s, that may factor into my rankings of players a little bit more than the machine who can kind of who, who isn't using his own personal rankings leanings uh, to uh, do his projections and, and his rankings. And I think that as as I get more familiar with ADPs that actually matter when more people start drafting, because right now it's just like our degenerate our degenerate selves really drafting, um, then, then my then my rankings can kind of normalize a little bit toward that. But Right now, I mean, top 50 player for Christian Watson in a Jordan Love offense that I think is going to be built around the running backs. Um, Christian Watson, that, that, that's just that, that's that's too high for me. Uh, now, it's a little bit scary because I thought that at, at times last year, Christian Watson, especially down the stretch, looked like a, a legitimately special talent. You remember he dropped that 75-yard touchdown bomb on like the first play of the Packers' offensive season, and – kind of was in the doghouse, dealt with some injury stuff, and then he really exploded uh, in the second half. It's scary. I, I, he reminded me at times of Martavis Bryant. So he's a ceiling play, I think, to an extent. I just I don't trust Jordan Love at all, and I think that this offense can be built around Aaron Jones and, and to a lesser extent, A.J. Dillon. Hmm. I'm going to give that one to Silva. I think the 
uh, top 50. And I know where Christian Watson goes on underdog, which is completely insane to me, 39th overall. We're, we're actually behind ADP in even the machine rankings to what people are doing on Christian Watson on underdog. But yeah, I think a bit unproven to be going in the top 50 or even 40 as it is on underdog here for Christian Watson with Jordan Love and this run-based offense. Let's keep it moving to George Pickens, machine 76th overall on George Pickens. Silva, well behind 95th overall on George Pickens. Leonie, I'll let you go first on Mr. Pickens. You'll, you'll notice a trend here where Boomer Silva's behind all the young, exciting players that could actually help you win in fantasy and, and ahead on these running backs that are dust. And it continues with George Pickens, year two wide receiver. I will say Pickens, maybe the guy I'm least confident in in this list, but in general, we're high on this Pittsburgh passing game, rebounding. You know, they play at like a fast pace. I think the pass volume is going to be there in a difficult division for them and just hoping Kenny Pickett is a bit better this year. And in terms of target competition, it's very little. You know, Allen Robinson's going to be out there playing the slot, which, you know, Gretchen and I did our offseason projections podcast special. And he was saying, like, that's a good thing to have a guy who's dust like Allen Robinson who has to run routes because uh, the targets per out run is going to lean and shade towards George Pickens' way. Now, Pickens wasn't that great last year, I think is the biggest concern, but he was a prospect coming out of school that if it wasn't for a couple of issues, he could have been around one or one of the top wide receivers in that draft class falls a little bit. So again, just leaning in on the reward side, uh, probably a little bit more risk on Pickens though, because his personal efficiency wasn't great year one. Evan, George Pickens. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I didn't think that I was going to be that far behind uh, the machine on George Pickens, having him as a top 100 player here. Um, I felt like it was a pretty solid ranking. Uh, at the same time, I, I get what you're saying about the young, exciting player. I mean, this guy, he had he did have over 800 yards as a 21-year-old rookie. And I think that there's a chance that Kenny Pickett, that Kenny Pickett, his quarterback, could take a decent-sized leap. Kenny Pickett has been like a quarterback, too, that I've, I've started to take a decent amount on underdog. Um, see, George Pickens, where I have him, like I get him a decent amount. So, and I, and I mean, I, I feel good with that. I feel good about that. Getting George Pickett's a, de a decent amount after the rookie year, year he had, I know that he was like up and down. Leviton has kind of talked bad about him at times. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel good about his ranking actually, but you know what, in the interest of compromise and I'm not going to go to capitulation here yet, I wouldn't mind moving him up and just getting him closer to the machine and having him as a, a top 85, top 80 player. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I and I'm going to make changes after this show. And uh, and I, I think I'll move Pickens up. Oh, well, I was going to give the W to Silva because I actually mo agree more with Silva's ranking. However, the capitulation before I could even make my ruling <laughs> has to give has to give the win to uh to leone i the part where I, I think i disagree most with leone's argument is that the target competition isn't stiff in pittsburgh i think the kind of routes that pickens runs does not lead to a ton of volume and then you have fryermuth and you have deontay johnson who i think are pretty big target earners and i'm not as sold as you that Allen robinson is completely dust shout out uh penn state we'll uh we'll meet in the middle on that one we'll we'll call that one a draw so okay. we'll come I, up I like a little like the machines that. will come down a little bit 
All right. It's time for one of the most controversial ones, I'm sure, of the offseason. Had to get this one in here. Kyle Pitts, 69th overall for the machine. Silva has 83rd. And then also in conjunction with this, I want to talk about Drake London, machine 53rd, Silva 77th. So on both these guys, on both Pitts and London, Silva is a good 14 to 20 spots behind Silva. I'll let you go first here on the Atlanta pass game and specifically Pitts and London being well back. Yeah, and we may as well just wrap them together because my reasoning is going to be the same on both. And we've talked uh, like a good amount uh, on our shows about the Falcons offense and how I feel like it's going to be that they're not going to open it up like at all. And especially after drafting Bijan Robinson eighth, eighth overall and committing to Desmond Ritter, a second year, third round pick at quarterback. I just don't think we're going to get the, the passing volume. And the, these are, again, players that fall into that category that Leone was talking about young, theoretically exciting, you know, maybe if, if, if things break right in the, in the right scenarios, one or both of these guys could be like legitimate league winners. I think both are going to be really good players in the, in the NFL. I just don't think that I, I think we're going to get a meat and potatoes, extreme run first approach from Atlanta this year. And, and these players are, players are going to disappoint in the box score again. Yeah, and and Leone, it's a, it's that's going to be the argument against all the Atlanta pass game yeah. stuff that they are going to do the same thing they did last year, which was just outrageously boomtown boomer ball. So go ahead, Leone, with your response. Yeah, I'd say a couple things. Like one last year, you know, the machine was behind the market on Kyle Pitts when he got steamed because we sort of saw some of this play calling stuff coming. It wasn't like. It ended up being more extreme than we expected, but we sort of saw some of coming with Marcus Mariota scrambling a lot, taking a pretty high sack rate, the switch from Matt Ryan to him. Now you go into this year, I think people are overreacting to the play calling. I think there'll be some natural regression where I don't expect them to like have a sea change philosophically and open it up a ton, but there's probably going to be a little bit of regression where they throw more. Raider didn't scramble much and they took away the designed runs that they had for Mariota. The games that they played Ritter, they were running about 65 plays per game compared to they didn't even hit 60 plays per game with Mariota. Mariota's sack rates are incredibly high, and each sack is a pass attempt that doesn't happen. So there's a lot of little things that stack up that this team's going to have more pass attempts this season. So I think, for one, that's a really good thing. Two, these are just really talented players, and now the cost is different, particularly on Kyle Pitts. I'll start with London, though, who... J.J. Zacharyson does really great prospect modeling. And in his year two stuff, you know, he's got three wide receivers that have like high 90th percentile scores in his year two model, which is like really, really high for his stuff. It doesn't happen often. He's got Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Drake London in there. So type of player that you want to be in on almost regardless of environment. Then you look at Kyle Pitts, who had the thousand yard rookie season at the tight end position. He got steamed up to like early third last year. I'm getting him consistently in the seventh round. I'm clicking that all day long in round seven. You know, the reward there is so high. And with him in particular, you know, he had a really low catchable pass rate last season. You know, he was getting down the field. He's got a high dot. He's someone that they did start to use by the goal line more. The touchdowns are going to come up. So it's just two players. Pitts in particular, I feel more strongly about. Um, and then the final thing I just want to note is the target share is going to be really high on these guys, which could help them overcome a low pass volume offense. When we get to guys Silva's higher on than me, 
like he's got DJ Moore up there. And like DJ Moore's a dog to see the target shares that Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to see. You know, last season, Drake London finished with a 28.2% target share. Kyle Pitts at a 26.1% target share. These guys are the offense along with Bijan Robinson. Yeah. So my personal take is that Pitts is a far better pick than London because if Pitts hits, it's just so much more valuable than wide receiver hitting, getting someone like Kyle Pitts to hit at tight end in the seventh round. So I will give the victory to Leone overall in here, mostly based on the Pitts discussion. And I'm just a Falcons guy. I don't think like they played such boomer ball last year. It would be like really hard for them to be that boomerific again. Um, even if they want to be. All right, let's go to Jahan Dotson. Here's one with a big gap. Machine 77, Silva 115. This is another example of a younger wide receiver, year two wide receiver. I believe it's Leone's turn to go first here on Jahan Dotson. Yeah, Dotson, you know, year two wide receiver. These are the types of guys that generally are pretty good bets where they are a little bit flashier than or not as flashy as the rookie wide receivers. So sometimes you get a little bit ADP benefit and they're actually, you know, a lot of times more likely to hit at least over the course of the full season than the rookie wide receivers. And we saw Dotson, you know, early on last season, he was able to find the end zone, which was a really good sign. The efficiency wasn't great, but he missed some time mid-year, took a few games to sort of get back in the swing of things, and then had a really nice finish to the season, which is what you want to see out of rookie wide receivers. Finishing strong, enters year two, and you know there's some concern over how good this offense will be overall, but with Eric Bieniemy there, I think they're going to throw a bit more. I think Dotson is the clear number two here. I feel a little bit similar to Pickens where I wouldn't mind dropping him a little bit. I don't want to be like too aggressive because – Overall, the individual yards per out run and stuff wasn't absolutely amazing. But in general, you know, this is the type of player I want to take my shots on. Evan, shout out Penn State on Jahan Dotson. Yeah, so <clears throat> Jahan Dotson is, you know, and Leone mentioned that he found the end zone. He's found this end zone seven times in 12 games. He's 5'11", 184. So I don't know that he projects as a particularly high touchdown scorer long term. He wasn't a great athlete. Coming out of college, he ran. He, he he actually he's not one seventy. He's not one eighty four at the combine. He was one seventy eight, and his 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 metric. He ran okay at four four three. That's not that fast for one seventy eight though. And his other stuff was like kind of bad. Seven point three three cone. He was a four year player at Penn State. He came out. He's a little older. You know, I think he can be a decent number two receiver in the NFL. I don't, I don't think that he has any kind of a ceiling uh, as, a, um, uh, as, a, as a fantasy producer, at least in the short term, behind Terry McLaurin. Leone th- said he thinks that, that, that Dotson is the clear number two. I don't know that to be the case ahead of Curtis Samuel. I don't know what to think at the quarterback position. I think Sam Howell has some potential. He's a second-year, fifth-round pick. Okay, and I think that Jacoby Brissett, can make starts as well. So to me, Jahan Dotson is not really a player that fits into that, that, that mold of the young player that has a big ceiling. And um, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't want to miss you. 115 though, Silva, come on, man. Yeah, that's right where he belongs. <laughs> He's lucky you made the 150 at all. Right. You know? 
Jeff Wilson will. That's that's the upside bet you want to take instead. I'm going to give the victory there to Silva. I thought that he won the argument. I would take Dotson above 115, but I certainly think 77 is a bit too high. I agree with Silva that, I mean, Terry McLaurin's a really good player, and I think they have plans for Curtis Samuel. Obviously, we know uh, Antonio Gibson is going to play a bunch more. And, man, the Sam Howell stuff. Like, I like Sam Howell. I want to be in on Sam Howell. I like taking him late. But from a throwing perspective, it could go bad. And I know they have Brissett. Also, but man, you know, it's not exactly the cleanest situation for somebody to go in the 70s. Let's keep it moving here to uh, Mark Andrews, Machine 27, Silva 35. So not a big gap here. We can go through this one a bit quickly, mostly in agreement here on Mark Andrews. But Silva, I'll let you go first. You're lower than market on Kelsey and you're lower than market on Mark Andrews here. I, I don't like being lower on Mark Andrews because I've been a huge proponent of the Ravens offense. And um, I think that Andrews, if there is a tight end that, that can uh, beat out Kelsey, say, say uh, that age model starts to kick in for Kelsey, it like, it's going to be Mark Andrews. Um, and, and, it, and it would occur in a scenario where Odell is just kind of, you know, decent and Zay Flowers, you know, he's he's a rookie and Rashad Bateman maybe misses time again. Um, I, I know that I'm going to get dinged for capitulation here, but like I, I I would be totally fine moving Mark Andrews into the top 30 and I'll probably do that after the show. Okay, we uh, we're not going to get to the guy that I actually think has a chance to beat Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. So I would say that Hawkinson and Andrews, to me, both are going to see enough volume to at least threaten or, or have a chance to threaten Travis Kelsey for the crown. But yeah, it sounds like some capitulation going on here. Leone, any quick thoughts on Mark Andrews? Yeah, Silva has Kelsey ranked too low, and it's flooding into his Mark Andrews ranking. That's that's what's happening here. But we agree that this Baltimore offense is going to throw all is going to be a different offense than we've seen before. The, you know, the slight concern is like Andrews was like a 30% target share guy or could be in the past. And I think they're a lot deeper in terms of pass catching, yeah. but ultimately like the efficiency for Andrews can be so good in a team that actually throws at like an above average amount of pass attempts. So we're, we're in line. We both like Andrews. Okay. Last ones that I want to talk about are the two rookie wide receivers, Jordan Addison and Quinton Johnston, Jordan Addison, machine 64, Silva 99. Quinton Johnston, Machine 84, Silva 115. I think there's some philosophical stuff here that goes on with rookies in general and rookie wide receivers where the machine uh, is more into later season production than projectable early season production. So, Leone, go ahead on the two rookies, Addison and Johnston, where the machine is significantly higher than Silva. Yeah, we talked about how these rankings that are generated from the projections do have subjectivity to them. And it shows with the rookies where like, we're putting in an upside case for people, not just base volume for players. So if we were solely looking at the base projected volume for Addison and Quan Johnson, they'd be a lot lower, but when they get their points and how important their weekly scores are at that point in time matter a lot. And uh, these are players. And in Addison's case, we kind of think he could contribute from, pretty early on in the season. If you look at all the routes that the dust ball Adam Thielen ran last year, like he ran a ton of routes. This is a team that dropped back to pass a ton. You know, Kirk Cousins isn't out there scrambling. They're going to have a ton of pass attempts. And it looks like there's a lot of target competition with TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. 
but they're so concentrated that it's not hard at all for Jordan Addison to step in, run a ton of routes, get a 20% target share, and be pretty efficient on those targets because it's an efficient pass game with a lot of help from Justin Jefferson. Now, Quentin Johnston looks like a little bit more of a raw prospect than Jordan Addison. Some more concerns that he steps in day one and contributes, but this is an offense that we want to be in on. The Chargers are going to run at a super fast clip. They're going to throw a ton. They did that last year. Now they add Kellen Moore. It's clear the direction they want this offense. All they need is Justin Herbert to be a bit more efficient than he was last year. And we could see so many fantasy points in this offense. So if you're going to give me an awesome yak guy like Quan and Johnston, uh, who can at some point step in as the third wide receiver or fill in for an aging Keenan Allen or a somewhat brittle Mike Williams, like I'm going to take that bet, even if I don't know exactly where his target share slots in day one. All right. Sylvia response on Addison and Quinton Johnston. Um, I think that the argue <clears throat> the argument for Quinton Johnston is better than it is for Jordan Addis Addison. Um, Quinton Johnston is like, I mean, th- this dude like has a chance to be a freak. It's, I have Mike Williams ahead of market. Um, you know, Keenan Allen is coming back. I know he's not sexy, but like he has a, a developed rapport with Justin Herbert and he's going to be a a big factor regardless of, of, you know, the age model hitting him, Austin Eckler, maybe, you know, the top two receiving back in the league, Gerald Everett is back. Um, I think it's going to take some time for Quentin Johnston, but I do agree that he's a guy that you could see, especially if the seas start to part a little bit, you know, a couple dudes go down. Herbert is, is kicking ass. Like Quentin Johnson could be a big factor in the second half of the season, like maybe, maybe like a league winner, difference maker sort of guy. Um, so I, I will capitulate actually on that, and I'm going to move him up. Um, I wouldn't even mind him getting him like to number ninety, which would be right right behind Leone, who has him eighty four. Jordan Addison, you mentioned to me like I, Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson, huge target shares. Um, Jordan Addison to me is um, just not that exciting of, of an actual NFL prospect. And in no scenario other than Justin Jefferson getting hurt is Jordan Addison going to be anything close to a, a number one wide receiver in his Doesn't offense. Need to be. Okay. I mean, he's, you know, and, and, and he's probably going to be the number three passing game target behind Jefferson and, uh, and Hawkinson. So you can have Jordan Addison, and I'll capitulate on Quentin Johnston, um, but you know it's it's kind of for different reasons than than you stated. Hmm. Yeah. Well, obviously the capitulation goes to Leone on, on Addison. You know, it's interesting because I think yes, I agree he will be third in targets on this team, but they could get into so many shootouts and have such a fr- fantasy friendly environment. But I'll go ahead and get split it there. Silva wins on Addison. To Leone me, with, wins with Jordan oh, Addison. Adam, 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 excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, to me, with Jordan Addison, I th- like to me he reminds me of, of Jahan Dotson actually, and he's going to have a similar sort of rookie season. Probably isn't going to score seven touchdowns in in you know however many games played, but I just think he's like going to be a clear number two, and it just allows for very little ceiling um, behind Justin Jefferson, who's just an absolute alpha dog. And obviously, I, I think that you have him as the one hundred and one because I, I do. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, Adam Thielen had a 16% target share given all the routes that he ran, and he he was awful. You know, now you've got one of the earliest drafted wide receivers who a lot of people have as a receiver that can step in and be NFL ready from day one. I'm going to take that chance. I don't care that he's not going to be the overall wide receiver one. He doesn't have that in his range of outcomes because of Justin Jefferson. That's fine. He can still deliver a ton of value um, in the fifth, sixth rounds of your drafts. All right. You're going to take him in the – okay. <laughs> I hope we're in the same division in pros versus Joes, all right? <laughs> Let's look at the odds, you know? Oh, oh, last year, I think actually we both did well. Oh, I saw your odds. That was ridiculous. What you're like, <laughs> you're like five to one to win your, yeah, right. Yeah, that does seem like an outrageous line. Yeah. The only five to one to win a 12 man league in Chris versus <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for part one of Man versus Machine. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know who you think won each of the arguments. If you are not, following us on the Twitter machine, be sure you are at Evan Silva, all one word at two hats, one mic at Adam Levitin at establish the run. Also be sure to subscribe on YouTube. A lot of content on there that does not show up on this podcast feed for the man, Evan for the machine, Leone for producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.